Okay, so Rob, so now what? I, so you you needed me to come over because of what? Um, uh, this is gonna sound really really weird, but uh, there's I I believe there's a monster in my closet, and I mean it's horrifying. It was uh, this is the thing the stuff of nightmares. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, and it was either trying to pull me into its world, or it was uh, trying to escape from its world. I, I just don't know. Like it had that hideous look where it was confused and uh, angry at the same time. Um, yeah. And so my plan is like, I've, I've got all these cameras set up here. Uh, you know, I've built like, I grabbed some burlap sacks and filled them with dirt, you know, from the backyard and put them around. So you have yourself a little, like a little foxhole type thing. Um, and at the stroke of midnight, <laughs> I'm going to open the door. And, uh, you know, when, the, when the bell rings, I just want you to like fire away into like whatever, whatever jumps out at, like, I'm sure this hideous beast is going to return at the stroke of midnight. So, you know. okay. You, and you haven't been drinking. No, I don't drink. You know that. Okay. And nothing, no, like weird, like, you know, mushrooms, meth, nothing like that. <laughs> no, I have been smoking a lot of weed, but you know, none of that other stuff. Okay. All right. And now, okay. And you're not setting me up. You're like, you don't like, this isn't like where like an ex-girlfriend jumps out and I kill her. And then all of a sudden, like I'm the one behind bars just because you couldn't say you wanted to break up. No, 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 no. It's nothing like that. Like this right. house, I swear this house is haunted. And so we've either got to capture or kill whatever the hell that is in the closet. I mean, it is utterly disgusting. It's the most okay. horrible thing I've seen. I have nightmares about it still. All right. Okay. Well, you know, I'm I'm down for this. So. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Let me get in place. All okay. Right. And then just just fire away when the door opens. Yeah. Like as soon as that door opens, like if you like whatever the hell you see, even if it's a shirt, I do not care. Just fire. Okay. And if I hit you, I apologize. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna try to stay out of the spread of the shotgun, but you know, I'm I'm willing to take a hit if we can just get this thing the hell out of the house. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Here goes nothing. Okay. Okay. All right. Just uh, 10 more seconds until midnight. Six, five, four, three, two. Okay. Here we go. All right. I, okay. I rob that. Oh, okay. That's. That's. Shoot it. Rob, that God does not. That's. That, that's me, Rob, but like in the 80s. I don't that's... care. Just shoot. No, I, I can't shoot me. Look, at how would you be afraid of something wearing a Frankie Goes to Hollywood t-shirt and like parachute pants? It's Why would I shoot me? me? It's got uh, okay, me. Fine, I'll shoot it. I'll shoot it. Ah! Fine. Okay, it's been shot. It's, it's, I shot me. Fine. I was not hideous. Was, I was not hideous in the 80s. Are you sure Whatever. that was you that... That like was totally me from the 80s. That it just made me shoot me from the 80s in the closet. I was in the closet in the 80s. I'm is sorry. I, I, I'm really sorry. Like, what? what is the past version of you doing in my closet? Hold on. There's something on the floor here. What is it? It's, uh, oh. it's a VHS. Here, look at this. It's a VHS of virus. So my... 
myself came from the past out of your closet to give me a VHS of virus. That is so weird. I don't know, Rob. I think you're in cahoots with this house. <laughs> this is a house where no one should live. Roger Cobb has come here alone. But no one is ever alone in the house. Leave while you can. No! Sandy. Horror has found a new home. at your own risk. All right, Midnight Mass Creature Cast, welcome back to another episode. This time around, we're going to be doing Steve Miner's House from 1985, according to IMDb, or 1986, according to Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> Take your this pick. pick. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, this pick was my ever awesome hosts, Rob's pick. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I had a lot of a lot of great memories with this movie and the second one. Oh, the the I like the dog a pillar from the second one. I'm a big <laughs> fan of the dog a pillar. Yeah, that thing was cute. <clears throat> it was very fun. Yes. Um, now, when did you first see this, Rob? Oh, uh, let's see. So, if it came out in '85 or '86, I probably didn't see it till '89. Okay, uh, so that, not too far along afterwards. Yeah, that's when most of my VHS renting and buying was done. Okay. Now, can I ask, are we talking teenage, Rob? Like, how old were you? Oh, Not exact see. date, but you weren't like a preteen. You were a teenager by then. Is that right? I'm trying to think. Let me see. All right. So I was 14. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm thinking like 85, I would have been about... Because my son was born in 88 and I was 20, so like Jeez. 17. Wow, okay. Yeah, I so was about 17. I was 10 in 1985. So. Okay, so you were younger. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. And then so me, and I'm Mark, by the way, I forgot to introduce myself for all those new people. Um, me, I actually saw this like immediately at the theaters because I was super stoked from the trailers. Um now, the trailer. I feel that this is one of those times, and Hollywood is infamous for this, where they pulled like a bait and switch because they sold this as a straight up, I say, horror film, if you mm -hmm. are familiar with the trailers. Um, but really what this is, it's way more of like a horror light with comedy and fantasy aspects to it. Yeah, I um, agree. Yeah. And so I remember, and it had like Sean uh, S. Cunningham was the producer. Um, he like, he brought us like last house on the left and Friday 13th and uh, uh, deep star six. Um, and so I was expecting like a horror movie. Uh, and I remember like, I was not a happy camper by the time this was over. I'm like, this 
is not what I wanted. And like, as far as subgenres, like haunted house films, supernatural stuff, I love that stuff. Like I eat that up. Yeah. And I just remember being like, this is not what I was promised. Um, so I remember leaving the theater like pretty sour on the film. Um, and I didn't revisit it for a long time afterwards because I was just so like, I was like pretty upset that like what I got wasn't what I was promised at all. Yeah, um, but so that was like way back. Yeah, like way back in the 80s. Um, now, and then we'll discuss. So I just want to let you know where I'm coming from back then. Mm-hmm. Um, now, are you OK? Because it does not have a huge cast. Are you OK if we kind of get into everyone before we move on? I'm absolutely fine with that. Yep. Okay. So our director, like I said earlier, was Steve Miner. Now he's brought me like some of my favorite films. Uh, he was behind Friday the 13th, two and three. Um, and like, of course, Sean Cunningham uh, did the first one. He directed the first one. Um, he also did Warlock, which we've covered. And uh, he also directed Lake Placid, which I just talked about, which I love Lake Placid. I, I love that one. Um, now, and off air, Rob and I just talked about this. It was written by Fred Decker. And that was way more of a horror film in its original conception. And Mr. Decker was behind like Monster Squad and Night of the Creeps. But then a screenwriter named Ethan Wiley got a hold of the script. And that's where more of the comedy seeds were sown into it. Then Mr. Wiley was also involved in House 2, the second story. Um, Which oddly enough, like I'm way more into that one than this one because I think I knew what I was getting. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you weren't like you didn't feel like you were tricked. Right. Yeah. I I knew what I was getting going in and I was, I don't know. I was way more okay with that. I don't know. But anyway, and so our cast of characters, we have a writer, um, Roger Cobb, and that's played by William Catt. Um, Just really quickly, this movie is, um, contains a lot of thespians that are really well known from television. And apparently they they did this on purpose because they could get them a lot cheaper. So almost everyone in here are recognizable faces from TV. William Catt, of course, was on The Greatest American uh, Hero. Um, that ran from 81 to 86. But I know him better from Carrie, which I love Carrie, Brian De Palma's Carrie. Um, and he was also in House 4. He reprises his role from 92. Um, and then he has an ex-wife in the film, played by Kay Lenz. Her, the TV movie I know her from, which I love, was The Initiation of Sarah from 1978. In this film, she plays his ex-wife. Um, and then another movie that it's not a TV movie, but everyone needs to find Strip to Kill. It's from <laughs> 87. <laughs> People, you need this in your life. Oh, it's we not were the talking most, about that last week. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not the most politically correct movie, but everyone needs to see Strip to Kill if you're at all in... <laughs> Uh, a fan of Kay Lenz, which I am, or Greg Evigan with the beard, because he's in that too. Um, and then he's got a nosy kind of neighbor, uh, Harold, uh, who's also a big fan of his writing. Um, and that's played by George Went, who, of course, we all know from Cheers. Yeah. Um, it's Norm. And then Mr. Yes, Norm. And then, but also George Went was from Space Truckers. Uh, it's a Stuart Gordon uh, movie. And he was Ooh, also I, in Spice World. I'm wondering it. If I saw Space Truckers or Space Pirates, I'm not sure which one, but they both sound familiar. 
<laughs> Space uh, Truckers has um, Dennis Hopper, Debbie Mazar, and help me, Deacon Frost. Who plays Deacon Frost? Uh, oh, man. Why? Uh, Steven Dorff. Yes, and he's in it. Um, okay. And it's got really awesome practical effects. It's not your typical Stuart Gordon film because he does like lots of like HP Lovecrafts and things like that. This is way more sci-fi. Um, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it because it's really fun. Um, so you might remember either the really cool like alien effects or Stephen Dorff and Debbie Mazar and Dennis Hopper spend the majority of the film in their underwear. Okay, I never saw this film. I'm, I'm thinking okay. I a, didn't think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a. Most people don't know about it when you talk about it. It's kind of like a little hidden gem kind of thing that I think more people should be aware of. But yeah, I would recommend people seeking that one out. I'm looking at the trailer and it looks pretty cool. It's pretty fun. And then the um, protagonist towards the end of the film is played by Richard Mall, and he, of course, was from Night Court. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as like actors from other films that I am familiar with, he by far ranks the highest. He was in Caveman from 81. Um, I remember that one because myself and my best friend at the time were the only people in the theater, like upon opening weekend, it like did not do well. Um, he was an evil speak, uh, dungeon master, night train to terror. Uh, he was also in, but I'm a cheerleader. He was in evolution uh, with David Duchovny and he was in nightmare man. He's done like a ton of things. Uh, I really do enjoy this actor quite a bit. Um, oh, Walter, uh, Walter, my husband, also told me that he did some, um, I guess, Mormon propaganda films early on in his career. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he played, I think he played like Joseph Smith or something like that. <laughs> I can and, see it because he's like really tall and kind of uh, biblical looking, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. And then the last person I want to talk about, just because of, I think her career is interesting, was the jogger neighbor, Tanya. The French lady, right? That's that's Mary Staven. Okay. So now I'm older than you, so this may mean nothing to you. But there was a singer called Adam Ant. Oh, I remember he, him. He, he had a music video called Strip for the song Strip, and she was the one in the movie in the music video. Oh, okay. I've never seen that. Uh, my mom probably wouldn't have let me watch it back then. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like on heavy rotation on MTV. Yeah. And then she was also in one of the Howling movies, uh, Howling 5, I believe, The Rebirth. Oh, I and didn't then, see that. I don't recognize her from that. Right. Well, put hair all over and you probably will. Put hair um, in a, a marsupial pouch, too? <laughs> <laughs> or, or am I thinking of just like the Howling 2, the marsupials? Yeah, you're just thinking of that one, I think. Um, and then she also had a... Two episode run with Twin Peaks. She was Heba um, in 1990 for all of our Twin Peaks fans out there. So that's basically everyone in a nutshell I want to talk about. And then we can just move on to the story if you're okay with it. Totally fine with it. All right. So now it mainly involves, oh, okay. So it mainly involves a house that is not just a normal dwelling place. There's something seriously wrong with this house. Do you remember the opening shots of this, Rob? How they're like the negative of the of the film. The film's been like flipped to the negative image. Kind of. I'm. Is that when the opening credits were running? Yeah, it's like all the panning shots. The reason I bring this up is because it totally reminded me of the opening for Tales from the Dark Side. If you're familiar with that TV show. Oh yeah. 
Okay, that's why I wanted to bring it up because it totally reminded me of that. Yeah, and when the narrator's like, there is a place, a dark place. (laughs) Yeah, that that was the total vibe I was getting. I'm like, oh my God, now I want to watch a bunch of those episodes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now that you mention it, it does kind of bring back those vibes. Right, right. So we open up and there's the delivery boy on a scooter and he's bringing some groceries in and he's looking for Mrs. Hooper. Um, So he enters the house, which I'm like, I don't care if the door's open. I'm still not going inside someone's home. But he enters the house because the door's kind of like opens up on its own. And he goes upstairs and he sees her. And she's basically swinging from a noose that she has made up in the bedroom. Yeah. So then we see that there's a cemetery and it's her funeral. And um, the neighbor's saying that Elizabeth, um, the owner of the house, was uh, senile, but she wasn't crazy. So just a little kind of like peek into, I guess, the owner's, former owner's psyche. And then we're privy to a bookstore signing with Roger Cobb, who is William Catt. And um, he's clearly a, at least semi-famous, you know, he's got a, a long line of people uh, to get their signature, his signature on their books. Um, but he's mainly more known for horror, I would say, almost like a Stephen King figure. He's the but, 1985 Sutter Kane. Right. Oh, yes, exactly. Good callback. Um, but now he's going to be writing a book about his experiences in Vietnam. And then we are also privy to a fan in line who makes note of his ex-wife, Sandy Sinclair, and what a talented woman she is. And that, is, of course, is Kay Lenz. So his agent is also trying to dissuade him from writing this book based on his experiences in Vietnam because no one wants this. They want more horror from him. Yeah. Um, and, and I would love it if Kathy Bates would have driven by and just gave him the stink eye. <laughs> With a sledgehammer <laughs> in her hand. Right. <laughs> She's like, I'll see you later, sir. <laughs> I'm your number one fan. I'm your number one fan. Um, and then so... He's back at his apartment eating, living on like a single man would do on frozen banquet dinners. And he's checking in with the FBI on his son, but there's no more news about his disappearance. So we're privy to some information about his son. Jimmy is just, I guess, gone from his life. And there'll be more on that later. Mm -hmm. Um, So we get a phone call from his wife and she's at an awards party that she did not win, but she's looking all glamorous because I love Kay Lenz. I I don't know how you feel about her, but I really love this actress. I think she's very sweet. Um, And so clearly they're not at, on bad terms they're still on speaking terms but he's kind of being a just like very short with her on the phone and everything yeah i Um, I also think he doesn't want her to worry about him maybe because yeah you know he he lives alone and he's making it sound like he's uh have he's having friends over but he's actually all by himself working on a book right yeah yeah yes so their relationship isn't one of uh, animosity or anything. Mm-hmm. They, they get along, which yeah. I thought was sweet. Okay. So that night we see that Roger is having a, a basically a nightmare about being in Vietnam. And then we see his son, Jimmy, on the ground and he's by a cross, but then a hand reaches out and kind of grabs him. Yeah. And it that's that like same hand that we see throughout the film, really. Yes. Yeah. It's like a decomposed kind of pale rotting looking thing yeah um and then we see rogers packing it's the next day and he arrives at his aunt's home 
um, with Mr. Parker, the realtor. Um, and we are given some, this movie I think is very good, especially upon rewatches about dropping things that you need to know, like peppering it throughout the script. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. So we, uh, are given some knowledge that Roger's uncle, who's already deceased was a fisherman. Um, and that the place is being, uh, has been cleaned up for, uh, auction. It's going to be sold. Um, and we also learned that Roger was raised uh, by his aunt and uncle there. So he's very familiar with the property. Yeah. And that the pool, they have a really nice pool in back and that was cleaned up as well for the sale. So now we get a flashback of Roger doing yard work and we have Jimmy and Sonny's playing with the cars and everything. And then Roger can't find him. And you see this car kind of like squeal away, which would lead you to believe that maybe he had been kidnapped by someone and they're tearing away with the boy in the car. Right. That was my first thought. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then he like Roger's calling to Sandy and like, you know, have you seen Jimmy? And then he sees some splashing in the pool. Roger dives in. Um, now, just real quick. He, he was completely clothed. I just can't help but thinking in like a different cut, he would have stripped completely nude and then dived in. But we didn't get that. Just saying. The, the, um, the but Caligula anyway, cut. Yeah. The Caligula cut. But anyway, once down in there, there's no sign of Jimmy whatsoever in that pool. Like the pool is completely empty. Right. And the, that's where you get kind of uh, an inkling that there's really something wrong with that whole property. There's something going on there. Right. Yes. Yeah. And um, now this movie does rely a lot on flashbacks. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And that's one of them. Um, so now we're actually back in this like little kind of almost like a shed studio kind of thing that the realtor's in in with Roger because now we're back in real time um, or the present day. And um, this is when um, it's revealed that uh, the aunt herself was a painter. And oh, she yeah. also thought the house was haunted in some way. And she painted some real crazy stuff. Very bizarre. Now, I, we've this real quick. We've talked about the TV show Night Gallery, and they would open each segment with really strange paintings that would play into the story that would follow. And her paintings reminded me of things that you would see on Night Gallery. Oh, real really? Okay. Yeah, totally. Um, and now we get another flashback where the police are there, and they're not believing a single word about like Roger's story. And the aunt comes in and says the house is haunted. And this is where like Sandy just blows up at her. Yeah. Cause she's, you know, her son's gone and you know, here you've got the aunt saying, well, I think the house had something to do. And like Sandy's just like, no. Yeah. So <laughs> you're, you lost your kid and can't find him. And then you get some crazy aunt. That's like, Oh, the, the house has him. And you're just like, what? Oh yeah. No, I, I mean, that's like a total, uh, totally believable reaction that you would have to someone like spewing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yeah. Um, but now Roger reveals to the realtor, he's not going to be selling. He's going to stay there for a while and focus on his work um, because he's having trouble writing his new novel. It's just, he's got like writer's block almost. He's really struggling with it, putting it into paper. Yeah. When um, you see, he turns on that computer. All he has is like the title and his, uh, his name on it. And that's it. Yes. Yes. So that night while he's working, of course, with his uncle being a fisherman, 
um, there's like a giant swordfish on the wall and there's like a little, like an open shark's mouth on the wall. And um, he's just kind of eyeballing the things. And then Roger actually cuts his finger on the shark's tooth because it's so sharp. But then he hears like this noise upstairs and like a very faint disembodied voice, which draws him upwards. Now, upstairs, there's, you know, his aunt's bedroom, but there's also a child's bedroom. Oh, yes, with, yes. I noticed that, too. With so like Walt's airplanes not, and stuff, right? Yeah. And like the teddy bear, I think, bed sheets or whatever, the, or like sport, whatever. The, yeah, the, the, the cute little uh, the cute little comforter that he actually slept in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now Walt and I had this conversation. Was that his from him being raised as a child or is that something they set up for Jimmy? Do you think? Because they never really tell. I was just wanted to know yeah. what you thought about this. I actually thought it belonged to the kid. I don't think it was uh, the place where he grew up. OK. Yeah, that was probably their sons because they didn't they all live in that house but like before the son disappeared. I wasn't sure if they lived there or if they were visiting. I wasn't sure on that either. So I, I that's why I'm kind of asking to feel you out on this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I just assumed that they lived there. Okay. And gotcha. So that's what All I right. was going by. Okay. So um he ventures into the aunt's bedroom where he sees her. And she reveals that like it tricked me, and they're going to do the same to you. Yeah. Leave while you can. This house knows everything about you. And then she hangs herself and then disappears. Right. He tries to stop her. But as soon as she like puts the noose around and like jumps or I don't know, it looked like she took a leap. Yeah. And like she was going to jump from the chair. Yeah. And like, And then just she gone. just went through the floor and just disappeared. Right. Now, really quickly, do you remember a band called Dead or Alive? Mm. You, you spin me around like a record. That was them. That was them. Okay. So on that same album, which was called Youthquake, they had a song called Something in My House. Okay. And in the 80s, remixes were really big. In the remix, they sampled all sorts of horror movies. And they sampled her line about this house knows everything about you. Leave while you can. And I thought that was really cool. Okay. Wow, I'm moving on. That's great. Honestly, like when we were talking about like Frankie Goes to Hollywood and everything. Uh, I, I thought it was them who did that song. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no, it was Pete Burns and Dead or Alive. Uh, did, I am a huge Dead or Alive, huge Dead or Alive fan. Yeah, okay. I love that. Did they do, uh, did Frankie Goes to Hollywood do Relax? They sure did, yes. Okay, yeah. right. at least I got one for one. Right. Which is from that movie, Body Double, which used the same uh, nightclub that they used in Fright Night. Oh, no crap. Yeah. Okay. okay, now we can move on because we've, <laughs> we've like taken a huge detour. Yeah. Okay. So uh, after seeing this, Roger runs to the medicine cabinet and then like to find some kind of meds to help him sleep. And then he's in bed and it's lights out. I feel like we spent a lot of time at the medicine cabinet. I don't know how you feel about this, but I mm. feel that there's lots of scenes at that medicine cabinet. Yeah. And well, it tells you right away that that medicine cabinet is important because it serves as kind of like a, a continuous thing that he returns back to. Oh, yeah, totally, totally, totally. Yes, yes. Uh, so now we it's the next morning and we see the uh, a female jogger jog by. Um, <laughs> and then like Roger's kind of watching here 
And then from the side, we're introduced to Harold Gordon, his new neighbor, who's played by George Went. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they kind of start small talk. And then I love how George or uh, Harold uh, starts bad mouthing the aunt because he doesn't realize that Roger is her nephew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then he does a total turnaround once it's revealed that Roger is, in fact, her nephew. I thought that was really funny. I like that a lot. Um, and, he, and then Harold. Oh, he reminds ahead. you of that. Just that bumbling person who who just like screws everything up, you know? Yes, but he's very sweet. He's not like mean spirit or anything. He's just like a big, like a lovable goof kind yeah, of thing. Like yep. there's nothing mean spirited about the man. Um and then he's like a giant fan. He pulls this like book out that's like just <laughs> shreds of paper because it's been read so many times. Um, and this is where Roger like is like, oh, I, I need some solitude. He yeah. kind of like backs into the house. Um, <laughs> like, I don't want to be your friend right now. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll yeah. talk to you, you know, some, some other time. Not right now. Yeah. Yeah. And like once inside, he's like, Lord, help me. I thought I like that. I thought it was funny. Um, so in the evening, he's still back at his computer and he's trying to get what he has in his mind onto the pages and we get the the uh vietnam flashback and this is where we see ben big ben who's played by richard mall mm -hmm. um and i don't know how you feel about this but ben feels like a loose cannon that i would not want to be associated with at all in wartime yes and i was also going to ask you um did it come off that he and ben were friends or were they just kind of people who were thrown together? Because I kind of got the thing that like him and Big Ben were like a team almost. And I always found that kind of weird because Roger seems like the the uh, the skittish type. Whereas Big Ben is just like, you know, going full force, going for broke, you know, the wild card and everything. Well, I think <clears throat> given from what is said and everything by their pr platoon leader, They've been paired up. They didn't know each other from before the war or anything like that. They just got, they knew each other from being in the same platoon. Okay. And they've been paired up because Ben sent ahead. And then the platoon leader is basically like, so if Ben go, if Ben goes, you're kind of like his partner. So you go with him. They've already been partnered up. Oh, gotcha. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if like they had bonded over that and like just became really close and like, they don't seem like the type of people who would be close. <laughs> You know? No, I really do think it's just like you're thrown in that situation and you kind of form friendships or mm. not even friendships. What, what would you call it? Like, um, well, like the, fair, I guess fair weathered friend or like a, you know, like you know how you are with certain coworkers or whatever. It's mm -hmm. like, you know them, but you're not going to hang out with them on weekends or. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't nude wrestle with them. <laughs> jello, jello wrestle. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, you would they, they'd not be the first person you jello wrestle with. Yeah. Now, I thought this was interesting. So the bird noise that you hear in the background is actually a kookaburra, which is only found in Australia. So there would never be a kookaburra in Vietnam. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't even hear a bird noise, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, Walt pointed that out. He's like, that's a kookaburra. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also important in the scene because um, this is where Ben saves Roger from gunfire. So we need that's important because a life has been saved. So it's almost like there comes a point where mm. it should be flipped, but it doesn't play out that way. OK, yeah. so. I also want to say this. There's a scene in the movie where 
this it's 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 on now. He's watching a TV movie and he's watching Don't Look in the Basement. And I love that movie. I love it so much. My TV station used to play it all the time. I love it so much. I was going to ask you it. if you knew what that was. Oh, yeah. I had no so, idea. I love it. So this nurse gets this job in this little rinky dink like mental home, mental facility. And the doctor, I'm using air quotes, doctor introduces to all the patients and everything. Well, come to find out the doctor has been murdered and the woman who's supposed to be the doctor is another inmate. So she's like trapped in there with all of these insane people and it does not go well. It's great. I love the thing so much. I forget the director's name. He only did a hand a handful, like maybe like three horror movies. Um, they, I love them all. Yeah, I love them all. But anyway, that's Don't Look in the Basement. Oh, okay. So while he's watching this, this is where we see the ghost of Jimmy, like outside the window. Oh, yeah. And um, he's kind of like laughing. And then you hear him say, Daddy. And then you hear that disembodied voice upstairs again. So Roger heads back up. And this is where he heads into the bedroom and he approaches the closet in the aunt's room but then just decides i'm not going to open this i don't need to investigate it and he leaves mm -hmm. now there's that to me i found it a weird transition because he's got the world's most plunging male v-neck sweater on oh geez yeah you noticed that too <laughs> yeah well so he's going to the medicine cabinet he reaches it with the sweater, but then closes it with a bathrobe on. So I'm like, wow, that's kind of jarring. Anyway, so he's like, I must be going crazy. And he heads back to the closet. Okay. And this is when the clock struck midnight. Well, at first it's empty. And then it chimes midnight and he opens it again. And like you said, it chimes midnight. And then we get the big reveal. Yeah. Now, okay, I want to ask you, because when I watched it again last night, seeing that again, it reminded me of something that would have been from The Thing. You okay. Know, with, with all those multiple heads or faces attached to it. And then it, it just reminded me of, you know, something that looked like it belonged in The Thing. And so, like, what did you think when you saw that? Okay, so this movie, I've always gotten, like, from beyond vibes from this movie. Okay. I don't, I, there's just something about it. I, I get, I, I don't know why I've always gotten from beyond. I see where you're coming from. I, I don't like, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't negate it. But for me, just like you made that connection with the thing, I've always made connections with from beyond the creatures. I, I don't know why. I just always from beyond in this one are, are like linked in my head. I don't know why. Huh. But yeah, so there's like a giant creature in the closet that comes out and attacks him and kind of like shreds his, his, I guess, bath towel. Was he wearing a bath towel at the time or sweater? Something. He shreds whatever he's wearing. Yeah, like ripped it. I don't know what the heck he was wearing, honestly. Right, right. And so the next morning, there's a delivery truck unloading a ton of camera equipment. <laughs> yeah. And this is like the, uh, I not a skit, but the the montage or the vignette or whatever the heck it was where it's like, he's setting up that equipment. He's wearing like an army helmet and he's practicing yes. all, all the moves he's going to be doing. And I just thought that was completely ridiculous. 
Yeah, it's this to me, it does verge into like silliness quite a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then he's also, as he's doing this, Harold kind of sees like all this stuff going on because he's almost like a- Agnes, a- a- Agnes Crabtree from Bewitched, always spying on him. Um, <laughs> so he's got everything, like you said, all, all set up and ready to go and everything. Mm-hmm. And he's tied his little rope to the door and everything. So when he yanks it open, he'll be able to like, you know, turn on the light and, shoot the thing and everything and he's just all ready to go yeah so he's prepared but then all of a sudden again i don't know who enters people's homes uninvited but harold shows up with a snack yeah like what place does he live in that you don't knock on doors Mm. you just kind of open them I don't know. I I don't even care if you do live in that place. I'm not going to be the person doing that. Right. I wouldn't do that either. I uh, yeah, unless it was Tom Selleck's home and there might be a chance <laughs> he would be just getting out of the shower. But other than that, I'm not that kind of person. Or Ryan Reynolds, huh? <clears throat> or Ryan Reynolds, yeah. I almost think Ryan Reynolds would bang on the glass to make sure that you knew he was getting out of the shower so you could come in. I just saying. <laughs> so anyway, so the tour in the dining room. <clears throat> And basically, we're getting the tail end of Roger explaining to Harold everything that's been going on. Um, And Harold's more of the mindset that, hey, you know, you've come out of Vietnam, you've gone through a really bad divorce, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you've gone through divorce, you've lost your child, you know, he's disappeared. I think this is more about that stuff. I'm not really sure I believe in the whole ghost thing. But he's, you know, kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt, but Harold's not really buying into any of this. Um, So on his way out, because to Harold, these are kind of like warning signs. He kind of like just kind of swipes a telephone book belonging to Roger. Yeah, because he figures that, hey, I'm just going to call this guy's wife and let her know what's going on. Or ex-wife, sorry. Yeah, ex-wife. Which that's an easy slip because they do get along so well. Yeah. On your part. Yeah. (laughs) So he's called Sandy and he kind of fills her in on what's going on. And he's concerned he's having like flashbacks because he's talking about seeing ghosts and everything. And he wants Sandy to come like check in on him, but she can't. Um, But she does give him her phone number. Which is not a 555 number. No, it's not. No, it's 954-1473. I wrote it down. Call it, everybody. (laughs) Call that number. Call um, that number. But but Walt's like, well, they didn't give an area code. And I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so anyway. Yeah. 555 is like kind of the, the thing that is in there because apparently people were calling the numbers that were actually put on there before, like thinking that they could get a hold of the actors. Right. So right, finally exactly. the studios just put like 555 for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would assume if he didn't pick up, that would mean Mr. Selleck was in the shower. So I would be booking it over there. (laughs) Um, But anyway, um, so Roger's working and um, Sandy decides she's going to call and just to check in on him. So um, while he's typing, we're back to the uh, Vietnam flashback and Ben is supposed to be walking point and Cobb is his partner following him along. And like Ben is like goading him on making chicken noises. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Roger's like, you know, I, you need to stop. I heard something. And this is where Ben just starts calling out you who Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. He's Hey Charlie, are you over there? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, I, th- I would not <laughs> want to be assigned with this man at all. I've never been in the army, but I think like, no, your, your, uh, commanding officer would probably shoot you themselves. If you had revealed your position to the enemy. I mean, well, clearly they're apart. They've been separated because Roger even mentions that he's like, we're too far away from everybody else. So it really is just the two of them now. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. They'd have a cow if you did this. <laughs> um, but while he's riding in the hallway outside the room he's working, he sees this car roll down the hallway, much like the car Jimmy was playing with when he vanished. And so he calls out for Jimmy. And while he's in the hallway, <clears throat> that swordfish that we mentioned earlier, um, I'm assuming it's a swordfish. I don't really know swordfishes in Marlin, so I'm just going to say swordfish. And I apologize to all the Marlin swordfish fans out there. I don't yeah, mean I just, any disrespect. I automatically <clears throat> thought of swordfish too. Like Marlin did not even enter my mind. Yeah. So he kind of like side eyes it. He goes back in there and then the, the mounted fish's eye kind of moves. And then the whole thing starts like flapping around on the wall. Yeah. And that, it's like that, that, uh, movable bass that would sing that. Yes. I was just going to ask you if you remembered that. Yes. <laughs> totally. Oh, that, yes. The most annoying toy that anybody could ever have. Well, and then do you remember the singing Coke cam with the sunglasses that would bend and sing too oh, like that? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. 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 Wow, yeah. You're bringing yeah back I'm pretty sure the now. same person invented both of those. So Roger's freaking out. He punches it, but that doesn't have any effect on the creature. He takes off to the shed to find a shotgun and some ammo. (laughs) While he's out there, all the gardening implements come to life and basically start like hurling themselves towards him. Yeah, that scared the hell out of me. Like I was on the lookout for like sharp objects. Oh, that's great. That's fun. So back inside, Roger loads the gun. And it's important to note that he drops two of the shells in the kitchen they roll underneath the kitchen table mm-hmm. so he heads in he shoots the swordfish and then covers it with a red cloth and the swordfish is still kind of moving around though yes so that red cloth was for continuity because they did not shoot the scenes in order and so some of the scenes would have had holes in it, in the swordfish where there shouldn't have been holes oh okay so that's why he covered it with that red cloth to help with continuity throughout the film. Nice. See, I hadn't yes. even I hadn't even like put two and two together for that. I didn't. That was another little piece of like info I picked up. So yeah, I didn't think of that either. Anyway, so now he's in the bathroom. He hears this banging noise that causes him to drop his pills down the sink. And what the banging noise is, it's all the implements, all the garden tools have now floated inside the house and they're banging <laughs> on the bathroom door. They found their way to you, Roger. Run for your life. Yes. Yeah, so downstairs. Sandy has come to check on him, but it's a fake out. It's not really Sandy. It's a demon who kind of like has taken the guise of Sandy. She's got like the dress and the nails and the hair, but she's Mm. ghoulish looking. She's Mm. like, (laughs) oh, and she was actually played by a male comedian. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. A stand-up comedian. I forgot to look up his name. Let me see if I can do that really quick. But yeah. um, And didn't, did that give you evil dead vibes there? Like the the looks of that uh, creature that his wife <laughs> it re- turned into? Kind of. It reminded me more, I'll be honest with you, of Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, the uh, Sid and Marty Croft TV show. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, that's what it reminded me of. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've uh, never seen that. So yeah, yeah I didn't it make was, that connection. It was very comical to me. Um, 
not horrifying. It was very comical. Um, so it was played by Peter P I T O F S K Y Pitofsky. I'm, I'm mutilating that, and I apologize. Uh, but he's the the comedian that played that character. Uh, anyway, yeah. So now he's dealing with that, and um, he freaks out as anyone would do, and shoots her with the shotgun. So. she's dead except now it's the form of sandy his ex-wife on the front porch yeah and i see i keep wanting to call the neighbor norm but it is not norm. <laughs> it's but, norm it's yeah, norm more it's or norm. less yeah he's playing norm as harold yeah so the the bushes and the porch the porch posts are blocking his view so he can't see yeah. all he sees is roger on the porch with a shotgun and in his fatigues yeah yeah yeah, so he's assuming it's like a suicide attempt. So that's how he reports it to the police. So the police are arriving and the sirens alert Roger to this. So he freaks out and he hides Sandy's body underneath like a little almost cubby area under the stairs. The police show up and then Roger is just sitting there like to cover himself, cleaning his gun. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of police a uh, pull up, but only two get out and approach. Of course, one realizes he's the gentleman who lost his son. And then the other one, when he hears his name, clues in that he's the famous author. Yeah. And that's uh, that's uh, that cop who asked to use the bathroom is Stephen Williams. And he is uh, of Fear the Walking Dead fame as among. Oh, he was in Jason Goes to Hell, too. I remember that. Oh, there you go. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Yes. So, but by them both recognizing him in different ways, they feel more comfortable and they tell the other officers they can head on. Yeah. So the one gentleman that you just said, that one officer has to use the restroom. So he has to use the restroom. And then he, um, Roger kind of offers them coffee, which they kind of decline. But then Harold pops up. He's like, yeah, coffee would be great. So that gets them all into the house. Mm -hmm. So... While the one gentleman, actually the one officer is looking for the bathroom. And for some reason, he thinks it's that cubby underneath the stairs, which Roger's like, no, it's not that. Because if he opened it, he yeah. was fine. Why would you know, Sandy's body. that? You know, that, that's, yeah. the yeah. door is too small to be a bathroom. You got to be like a short person to get in there. Right, right. Um, but while the other two in the kitchen are in the kitchen, that's when the one officer... Uh, confronts Harold because they find those two shells on the floor that he dropped earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're like, well, wait a minute, if you're cleaning a gun, it shouldn't have been loaded. Right. So why would you have these other shells? So it kind of punches a hole in Roger's story. So that kind of brings some suspicion down on him. So in the hallway, the other officer is kind of like checking out the ants, really bizarro artwork. <laughs> yeah. And the one he was looking at is actually a nod to the garden tool attack because it's the, it's a, like a, a naked body with being like stabbed with garden tools, basically. Was it a, was the body a male or female? I don't know. I just saw like a nude body. Oh, I assume it was female. Cause I didn't pay any attention. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but in, in the interim, the kind of door cubby door has opened a little bit. So Roger's like, really wanting them to leave and he's also misplaced his gun so he's like my gun and they're like why do you need your gun and so he's just like really 
there's lots of red flags for these officers. Yeah. Um, but he finally gets them out and he's grabbed a poker. So he heads back upstairs because he hears a noise. And that's when Roger catches that the closet door has just slammed shut. <clears throat> yep. And uh, that uh, the creature who took on the guise of his ex-wife is behind him and had basically knocked him almost unconscious with the butt of the shotgun. Yes. The Sandy ghoul. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> I call it the Sandy ghoul. All right. So yeah, as he's going to, yeah, exactly. So, um, and she's also like taunting him about his son. Yeah. Yeah. And like, does the comedian do that voice too? Because that was such a like screechy, tiny voice. Oh, that I don't know. I do not know. I wonder if he did. I have no clue. I, I have no clue. I have zero, zero clue. Um, I like to think it's Zelda Rubenstein from Poltergeist. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. I just found that out there. Is clear. Yeah. Um, so she goes to shoot him, but of course it only holds two shots and they're mm -hmm. gone. They've been spent. Um, oh, so and this, uh, I think he's fighting her off and then he opens up yes. one of the doors and the uh, surprise, the garden tools are there. <laughs> yeah. And they decapitate her basically. Yeah. So then this is where they feel the need to introduce pop songs. And oh, we get You're No Good playing. Terrible. Like, it's not that the song is terrible. It's just that I think the placement of it, like, why the hell would you just all of a sudden do that when he's basically cutting up the body of whatever the hell this thing is and putting it into trash bags? I think because the song is You're No Good. Oh, okay. So they're being cute and clever. Um, Interesting. Which for Mark... Did not work. No, it didn't work like, for me either. It was just kind yeah, of okay. something that didn't need to be there. Yeah, I remember. I'm pretty sure I rolled my eyes in the theater. <laughs> anyway, so he's burying the head outside. And then he's got that giant body uh, because she does not resemble Kay Lenz at all physically. Mm, I mean, no. this is like a blob of a being. Um, so he's carried the body out to bury it. Um, but in the interim, somehow the jogger has gotten into the pool because the aunt had okayed her to use the pool whenever she wanted. Yeah. So, so she it comes out. And she kind of she's dead. <laughs> Just... Right. Right. Yeah. So she comes out and she's kind of being flirty with Roger. But Roger's got other things on his mind, like getting rid of the corpse that's still kind of alive. <laughs> that's kind of reaching out like its manicured hand. Yeah. To touch, you know, Tanya's foot, the jogger. Um, and he keeps stomping on it. And then like she's being all flirty and everything, but finally he gets her to head on. And then Roger has, they cut to a scene and the yard is just covered with little tiny mounds. So he's basically chopped up the body and buried it. Yeah. Like many, um, so that wouldn't come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we get another song, which is you're the one, I, this is dedicated to the one I love. Heavy eye roll. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can hear your eyes rolling. Yeah. I just, I, I, a comedy and horror for me is such a, it's got to be done just right. Or I just am not on board with it. Yeah. Um, especially back then. Oh my gosh, Rob, especially back then, like, uh, return of living dead. I am so on board for that. Um, but it wasn't, it's, it doesn't have the same feel as this to me. Well, no, that I think that was done perfect. Whereas this, if they had omitted probably the, the songs, and a couple other things that were unnecessary, they might have just nailed it. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to harp on this. So now we're inside. Roger's tired. He's gotten all cleaned up and he's checking the house for his son. He's outside by the pool. He's got a flashlight. And all of a sudden he sees Howard's, sorry, Harold's dog. And he's dug up the hand Mm -hmm. and he runs (laughs) off with it. Oh man. And then like, while he's chasing the dog with the hand, the, is that when the, the jogger neighbor shows up and she's got her kid? Well, so yeah, so he's inside looking for car keys. Okay. He finally finds him. He opens the door to go out. And then there stands Tanya with her son, Robert, this little tiny child. So she's just willing to dump this child off with anybody so she can go out and do God knows what. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. There's another, it's like, there are certain parts of this movie that make zero sense in in like the grand scheme of things. Which I would agree with you, except for this, because when I grew up, we had someone that moved in next door with a with a much younger child. And she came over like after being there for like a week and asked my mother if she would watch the child overnight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah, I'm like, she didn't know us at all. But anyway, yeah, but yeah, people do do things like this. Um, But anyway, Roger's apprehensive about doing it until he realizes that the monster hand has attached itself to the back of the little boy's coat. (laughs) So Roger gets him in, hilarity ensues. Um, He gets him in the bathroom. He's trying, which I know I'm talking about this day and age. Yes, and it's- Everyone would be having a cow if a man took your son into the bathroom. It's, I mean, even for the 80s, it's just all kinds <laughs> of weird. Ooh. So he's in there trying to get the hand off of Roger. I mean, uh, Robert. This is really annoying, too, because the child is Robert and the man is Roger. Yeah. He's trying to get the hand off, but it doesn't want to release it. So he's got to bite it to let it go, let it release from the child. And then he flushes it down the toilet, which I'm like, that would clog it. Yes. I'm like, how <laughs> the anyway. hell does that work? That That's just, it's physically impossible. Yeah. So Tanya pretty much just abandons her child with this man. She's given him like all these toys and just leaves him. So that night, Roger's trying to work. He's got this like toddler because this kid's little, like mm-hmm. it's not like he's seven or eight. He's like a little kid. Yeah. Um, And then Sandy's TV show is on the television. Which, did you not think that at some point it was going to be that creature, the Sandy Ghoul, on the TV? I thought that, but I also thought that, like, um, the TV was going to talk to him, like, we know what you did, Roger. You know, Yeah, that something kind of like, thing. exactly. I totally thought that. But yeah. no, they didn't do that. You know, they did all this other weird stuff, but they didn't do that. So anyway, Roger's typing, and this poor child's bored out of his mind and missing his mother, who just dropped him off with a total stranger. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> now. <laughs> when he bends over to pick the kid up, did you notice the line that he says, how about a nice plastic bag? Mm. Oh, wait. Yes, I did. I did hear that. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, is he going to suffocate that kid? <laughs> yeah, I like to suffocate suffocate the kid. Yeah, I'm like, oh, holy cow. That went dark really quick. Yeah. Um, especially from someone who's lost their own child. <laughs> He's like, I don't want, I don't want a a surrogate child. I want my own child. Right, right. Anyway, okay. So now they're watching the show and he's kind of covered him up because he's got tired eyes Mm -hmm. and he lets him fall asleep and he goes back to writing. Now, okay, Rob, you've got a kid in this house. Would you be super nonchalant with the child? 
No, I'd be trying to get them the hell out of there. Well, or okay. Or if I'm stuck, like in this situation, either we're leaving the house for the night until mom comes. Yeah. That child is going to be glued to my side. Like book or not, like I'm going to have my eyes on that kid 24 seven until mom comes back. Yeah, because I don't want to, like, I mean, I don't necessarily want the child there, but I definitely don't want the child missing when the mom comes back, so. Right, because, (laughs) because if nothing else, then you are going to be the person with two children missing around you, and you're going to look super suspicious. Yeah, they're going to start to think that, like, you're a Freddy Krueger or something. Well, and and yeah, wearing that low-cut V-neck sweater, you are going to be number one prime suspect. (laughs) So anyway, so he's working on the book and we get more of, of Ben and Roger time and everything. Yeah. And Ben's getting like super reckless and he gets shot multiple times by the enemy. Oh, so, yeah, because like he was doing that. Uh, well, no, this was after he was calling out here, Charlie, Charlie. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's been shot multiple times. And then. Roger from writing is very fatigued. And this is when he realizes that Robert, the boy is gone. He hears something upstairs and this is where he sees that gremlin creature looking thing has the boy and he's pulling him up the chimney. Yeah. And then, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. What the hell were the, were those like life-size dolls? They look like offspring of Sandy Ghoul to me because they had like kind of the same facial features. Oh, like, like the, yeah, the big faces and, and yeah. Okay, but there was yeah. a boy and a girl of them. Like yep. there was, and they looked like kids though, like but big. It mm-hmm. was it was so weird. It was so odd. Yeah, that was really strange. I didn't yeah. think he was going to be able to get them. Like I thought they were going to like yank the kid up the chimney. Honestly, well, yeah, because he's like playing tug of war with these two. Like yeah. they have the kid's arms pulling him upward, yep. and then Roger's got the kid's legs pulling him downward. In a perfect movie, he would have pulled the legs down, separated from the top <laughs> part. But no, we don't get that. Uh, Bisection. So, yeah. So now he's giving um, Roger a bath because he's filthy with chimney soot and everything, um, and having witnessed all this the kid seems really calm and so does roger i'm like (laughs) i'd be like in a fetal position but he's like they're both like just super okay with everything yeah they're like playing in the tub splashing Uh, yeah Yeah. i'm like i'd be out of that house so fast anyway so tanya returns and it's just all fine and now it's almost midnight again yeah so we got roger back in his fatigues and um Harold shows up with a beer and he's Harold. No, sorry. Roger's gotten Harold over there under the ploy of it being a movie night, but it's not a movie night. So they're back in the bedroom and it's not a ghost this time around. He's feeding him the line that it's a raccoon, a very wild (laughs) raccoon. Yeah. Trapped in the closet. (laughs) Um, And did he not say the raccoon's name was Mark? Uh, I don't know. I didn't catch that. I'll have to watch it again, but maybe I'm joking. (laughs) You could be right, you know. Mark the gay raccoon. Mark Mark wearing a bandit mask. Right, right. Um, Which now I want, I want, I picture me wearing a bandit mask just doing this recording. I would love that. Anyway, so. (laughs) The mask of Zorro. (laughs) Right. So Roger gives him this giant like harpoon gun just for this raccoon. And he's like really like playing up how awful this raccoon is. Um, And they've got the camera set up and everything. So, and he even gives him goggles for protection, which I love this. And Harold wears them. There's, he's not fighting him all this. So he's going to open the door at midnight. 
and he's hidden behind a mattress for protection. <laughs> well, he doesn't want to get scratched again. <laughs> no. So the clock chimes and then the door opens and it reveals that creature. And like he's first frozen, like Harold's just like, what the heck? He does shoot it, but it's like a harpoon gun. So you can't just keep firing it. Yeah. He's like, shoot it again. He's like, yeah. How do I reload this thing? It's only got one harpoon. Well, now the creature's like dragging Roger into the closet, um, which the reveal is on the other side of the closet. It's not Narnia. It's Nam. Yeah. It's it's like a alternate dimension 10 years earlier, I guess, because. If this movie takes place in 85, I'm assuming that must have been like 75. So, yeah. And so the the string is like run out. So like Harold's got no way to pull the, to reel him back into like, you know, yeah. the bedroom. And so Roger is now loose in the jungle. He's calling out for Jimmy, his son. Then he spies Ben and he's injured and he's trying to get him to be quiet because he's like, the enemy can hear us. Yeah. Now was... Was that a flashback or was that like, I didn't understand that part because it's like Roger from this day and age. um, But then Ben from like the seventies when they were in. Nam. I think it's like a flashback that's reoccurring. Now. Okay. Okay. And then Ben's like, finish me off. And then, so um, Roger undoes his belt and starts to pull his pants down. And then he says, kill me. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, that's what he meant. Um, and he's got the knife out, but he can't, Roger can't bring himself to do it. No. So he, um, he's, they're surrounded and Ben is drug away. And then Roger retreats because otherwise he would be killed as well. Yeah. He's being fired upon and he runs through the doorway of the closet um, as the, 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 uh, the opposing forces are closing in on him. And he finds on the other side that it's now morning and like Harold's just drunk. And he where did he get that bottle of whiskey? I thought he brought over (laughs) cans of beer. I don't know. He needed help to make it through the night. (laughs) So he assists him and he like lays him down and covers him up and he's kind of out for for a bit. So in the evening. We have Roger sleeping in the bed and he's just had enough and he's crying. He's he's having a breakdown. So he's checking out the shed and the ants paying reveals because it's been covered up by a cloth. He pulls back the cloth and it reveals that Jimmy, his son, is trapped in a mirror. This causes like a light bulb to go off in Roger's head and he runs back up to the bathroom and then he decides, hey, wait a minute. The medicine cabinet mirror may hold a key to all this mystery. It's medicine cabinet time once again. Once again. So he he shatters the vanity mirror and there's like a dark portal on the other side. So this tentacle reaches out. And again, this is where I get more just this just all feels very um, from beyond. I think it's like there's something existing in another plane. Yeah. Like that part, especially with with the hands grabbing at him and the tentacle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's trying to pull him through, yep. uh, and he's fighting with it. And then all of a sudden more tentacles, more like weird, creepy hands are trying to pull him through. And there's a switchblade on the, the lid of the toilet and he grabs that and he manages, manages to free himself. Um, then you get, I think it's a really cool scene because it's on the other side of the bathroom. So there's like, it's 
He's backlit, so it's just a shadow of Roger and then complete darkness mm-hmm. on the other side. Um, you get like the dripping sound. It's I don't know. I think it's very cool and very creepy. I, like, I I will give the movie movie kudos for this. Yeah, there's that, and then there's like a almost like a wind chime kind of sound. Yeah, yeah, or it's like a trippy like sci-fi. It's just all sorts of weird noises. They're it very is, yeah, disconcerting. It's very strange. Yeah, I love it. So he's basically armed himself with the shotgun, a flashlight, and he's lowering himself down via like. A not very sturdy looking rope, in my opinion. No, it's more like a clothesline. You know, it's not like real super yeah, that's, strong looking. That's definitely not like a an army issue rope. <laughs> no, no, no. It's more like that tool shed. It came out of there. Yeah, mm-hmm. clothesline. Yeah, and you hear something flapping around him, which I don't like that at all. No. Like at all. And, and then we revealed it's it's like the bat demons from Blade. Yeah, it's got like a skull head, but arms with bat wings. Yeah. And of course, it grabs the gun immediately from him and then shoots the rope, causing him to plunge down into water, which I really hate. Yep. Oh, it's water. Uh, yeah, yeah. So in the water, he hears these, no, see, I guess sees, hears, senses these like bubbles coming up. And so he plunges downward in search of Jimmy because this harkens back to the pool earlier earlier in the film where he thought he saw his son when he disappeared Mm. so he arises out of the water back in vietnam in the forest and he spies jimmy in a bamboo cage um and this is where jimmy says that he's coming back and there's a shadowy figure but of course it's ben um and he's opening fire on roger but roger manages to flee his son and the pair take off and they flee back into the water. They arise out of the pool in the backyard. Yeah, which I thought is uh, is really cool because the pool is where his son first went missing, apparently. It's like a portal. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Oh, I think I answered my own question. Okay, anyway. Why <laughs> did the jogger never disappear? But I answered my own question. Because she has nothing to do with Roger. And she had she doesn't live in that house, so the house probably doesn't know her. Well, I, the whole reason that Jimmy disappeared was because of Ben. Oh, okay, but this brings up another question that I have. Okay, go ahead. All right, knowing that the it's the house that's manifesting these uh, things and like taking taking Roger's memories, his regrets, and all that. Now, did the house manifest Big Ben? And Roger, you know, Roger feeling guilty about not killing his uh, teammate or whatever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Roger feeling he deserves to be punished. Therefore, the house is like, OK, I'm going to manifest this creature. We're going to take your son and it's going to be this whole like revenge thing. That's like the conclusion that I came to. I wonder because the aunt already thought the house was haunted to begin with. Mm hmm. And if she got those vibes, I would think it had something to do with actions prior to the whole Vietnam incident. Yeah, like I'm thinking when uh, even when Roger was still a kid and like the aunt is seeing like the the house. Yes. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Right. That's yeah. That's what I think. I think that I think the house is just a conduit for different things. And for Roger, the conduit was Ben, basically. Okay. That's how I'm taking this. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Like, the more I looked into it, I was like, wait a minute. You know, this doesn't make sense unless this and this happened. And 
you know, it's just, uh, that's the conclusion that I came to on it. Yeah. 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 Now this is where I get a little murky on things. So they come out of the pool and they run through the house and they're going to go out the front door and they're stopped by zombie Ben. Yeah. Big old Ben is there at the door. So if the jogger has access to the pool and they were leaving, Oh, wait a minute. I wonder if he had to go inside to get car keys, but I'm like, otherwise, why didn't you just leave out the gate? If you were just going to leave, why would you go through the house? Oh yeah. Cause I, cause they were wet. Didn't, Weren't they yeah. dry when they ran, like when they came out of the house to leave? Oh, were they? Okay, they changed clothes or something? Okay, that's so, fine. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Anyway, so this is when it's revealed that the son, Jimmy, was taken by Ben as payback because Roger did not kill Ben when he was asked to. Yeah. He just let Ben die at the hands of the enemy. Um, and this is where Roger tells his son to flee for help. And Ben goes around and gets into the house through a broken window because Roger basically shuts and bolts the door on him. So there's lots of like running through the house. Roger ends up upstairs. Uh, He's in the boys bedroom at first. Then he heads to the medicine cabinet um, and he decides he's going to climb out through the bathroom window and scurries up to the roof. Yeah. He Oh, go ahead. I didn't get the reasoning behind all of that. Because was Ben in the house at this time? Yeah, Ben was in the house. Oh, okay. I was wondering why he climbed through the window and is like going on the roof and all this other stuff. Yeah, because Ben was basically in hot pursuit. So he got through the bathroom window to the roof and then through the uh, window to the attic and then back through the attic into the rest of the house. So once he's there, that's where he runs into Ben again. And there's that tussle. And this is where uh, Roger gets tossed down the stairs. And Ben says, you can't get rid of me. And then he attacks Ben and tears off his arm and starts beating (laughs) Ben with it. Yeah, tries to beat him up with his own arm. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But then he just, Ben gets a hold of it, just puts it right back on. Um, uh, And he ends up in the kitchen. And he tries to retreat out that door, but it just opens up over like uh, a large drop off of a cliff into the sea. Mm, yeah, that's that's very Beetlejuice. Very Beetlejuice. Yeah. And so Roger's hanging there by his fingertips and Ben just starts stepping on them to cause him to like release and plummet to his death. But Ben takes off. No, Roger takes off his belt and uses it like as a device to cause Ben to he like catches Ben off balance and causes him to plummet to his death instead yeah and in the the cut i saw it's like he took off his belt and he like undid his penis and like just like did a lasso type thing you know (laughs) (laughs) now that was totally my joke i can't believe that you went there um (laughs) but once back into the kitchen he's reunited with jimmy um and then you got roger searching the medicine cabinet and once again Ben's there and he's got Jimmy. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like holding up by the scruff of the neck. And he's like, kill yourself or I kill him. Yeah. And Ben, re- no, Roger reaches out and Ben goes to chop off Roger's hand, but it doesn't do anything. Well, at first I thought the hand did get chopped off and like hit the floor or something. But then like he looks on the floor and notices that there's no hand and no blood. 
Right. Yeah. Because it had no effect on him. Yeah. Because if Roger doesn't fear him and like doesn't basically hold belief in him, he is powerless over him. Oh, is that how it goes? Yeah. Okay. See, I just thought it was like the house can only scare you, but it can't hurt you. Like actually hurt, harm you or like something? physically harm you. Yeah. That, like that's what I was thinking. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Same kind of same thing. Yeah. Okay. Basically it doesn't have power over like to, you know what I mean? It can't. Yeah. Yeah. So he undoes a grenade from Big Ben's belt and shoves it into his rib cage, which is totally exposed because he's like a zombie mm -hmm. um, and sticks it inside of him. And it causes an explosion outside. Sandy and Harold see the fire erupt in the upstairs level of the house. Yeah. They hear the explosion for all intents and purposes. They think that that was probably Roger and his demise. But then they see the father and son walk out the front door. And Jimmy Sandy runs to faints. mom. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. Sandy runs to mom. And then we get a shot of Roger smiling and it ends just like a TV show. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's fine, but it's also a little bit strange because it's like, it's not your typical uh, horror movie or even horror comedy movie. Especially with an ending like that. It felt like a TV show. Like it, it felt like the ending of a TV show to me. Yeah, like it really it, did. It, like it, Walt said, I really expected him to jump up in the air first and like do it like, yay. And then it <laughs> stop on that. Freeze frame. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like that would not have shocked me with this one. Yeah. Yeah. So having survived our time at the house. What do you think of the movie, Rob? I still enjoy it, but there are some discrepancies that like I didn't pick up on as a kid that, you know, those things that I do question at this point in my life. Mm -hmm. um, so I would have given it like five stars when I was younger, but I, I would have wait to five out of how many, though? Five, five out, out of five? five. Yeah, five out of five. OK, OK, five out of five. OK, so I, I think I would remove like a half a star or maybe a whole star. OK. And would you uh, recommend it to fans of Midnight Mass Creature Cast? I would, but I would say go into it not expecting to see your traditional type of horror movie or even a traditional horror comedy film. Exactly. It's, it's yes. a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. It, exactly. Yes. Um, I would totally recommend it with the caveat of just like you said, you're not going into a horror movie. You're going into um, a weird um, combination of like, let's throw horror comedy and some kind of sci-fi in into a blender and see what comes out. Yeah. Um, it really does feel like you had people involved with a TV show that tried to do a horror movie. Oh, and now that you mentioned, like with the actors and everything, that does make sense. And not, not even so much the actors, just like the feel of it, because it never really quite dips its toe all the way. It doesn't cross. You don't get super gory gore. Right. You, you don't, you don't get even get blood. blood. Yeah. No, um, I don't know if you had a chance to read my review on Instagram, but it really does feel like an up to me. It feels like an episode of like the Twilight Zone. Or like creep show or something like it. That's interesting because it holds back. It doesn't really go as far as it could or should. 
it, well, it feels almost kind of tame, especially for, isn't it rated R, I believe? Uh, yeah, it's rated R. It's rated R. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. It's, it's, okay. It's very tame for a rated R, I yeah. feel. You know what's weird, though? What you said is like the Twilight Zone and everything. Um, mm -hmm. The script was originally inspired by Twilight Zone from 1983, the movie. Oh, um, I could totally see that. I can totally see that now yeah. that you say that. Yes, I could totally see that. It just feels like an an, an uber long episode fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it just feels like I'm like either tone it down and give us PG-13 or step it up and give us an R. Um, don't don't tiptoe around things. Um, and like I said, I was totally sold by the trailer, because we're talking back in the 80s, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have a lot of exposure mm -hmm. beforehand where you could like get, get a feel of a movie before you set your butt down in that seat. Right. And it was really, if you watched the trailer, it was sold as a horror movie. Like there was, you really did not get like the comedy bent about this at all. Um, so, you know, I was expecting horror. If you go into this expecting a horror ghost house thing, you're going to be disappointed. That's not what you're going to get. So if you yeah. enter into this expecting, yeah, it's a goofy kind of silly, slightly horrific um, haunted house thing. And haunted house, I'm even using that lightly. Yeah, you're you're using that very liberally because yeah. it's, I don't even, not necessarily would call it a haunted house, but going along with what you said about like the creatures from beyond, um, it was very much like that where things existing in an alternate dimension were, you know, coming through. Right. Right. Um, but it's fun. It is totally fun. I'm not poo pooing it at all. Yeah. Um, and I could totally see where it has its followers and my goodness, it made like three other, uh, sequels off of it. Um, I just, uh, I just would be worried about really hyping this up and have someone go through what I thought where they were going to get a horror movie. And they're like, this is not a horror movie. I don't want to do that to somebody. Yeah. Um, or even somebody yeah. thinking that they would get something like, um, evil dead or dead alive. And, and it's not even, it's not, it's not no, even that. Yeah, no, you're right. That. Yeah. But it does have creatures, you know, and it's mm -hmm. got like its moments. Um, there are a couple of like scary bits to it. You know, I would, I would almost say for the right audience member it would be a good gateway horror into an r-rated movie because it's not it's not super gory no i don't think it's super violent and there's no like if you're worried about the sex or nudity aspect you've you've got none of that um i almost wonder if it's the kids in peril made it an r i really don't know why it's an r-rated film <laughs> yeah because there's i i don't recall any swearing in this movie it's I'm, I'm telling you, it really does feel like a like a TV, <laughs> like it was made for cable or something and not even like cable because you could slip in like nudity and sex. Yeah. Like it just feels like a cable movie. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and I and I know people love this movie, so I'm not like saying it's a horrible movie. It's just. Enter it under the right expectations. Yeah. Like by yeah. no means is it bad. It's no. It's a good movie. It does have its flaws, um, which all movies do. Like some are glaringly obvious and others are more subtle. But it's just like if you're going with the expectation of seeing something scary, then mm -hmm. you're you're not going to get what you expect. 
yeah, not at all, not at all. Um, but yeah, and and uh, thank you for bringing it to us because I did have fun talking about it with you. I always enjoy talking about these things with you, and I didn't like hate watching it. It's I've, I've, I've made my peace with it. And like I said, the second one, I really do enjoy because I knew what I was getting. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've seen all the other, the other three in the franchise. I've seen all of them. And see, um, I didn't even know there were like other movies. I just thought house and house two, And that was it. Yeah. The third one is the one with, uh, oh my gosh, Lance Hendrickson. And they tried to do way more of like a, almost a slasher esque thing. Mm. Um, and then the fourth one, like I said, William returns very briefly. Um, and that's, it's okay. Um, I'd still say out of the four, I think I enjoyed the second one probably the most. The second one was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. It's just fun because I knew what I was getting. I yeah. get, I really do think that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, and I will be honest with you and this is just me. I don't really gravitate gravitate towards these types of films anyway. Yeah, I know you're more of the more of the serious kind of type. Yeah, or yeah, and it's and so really I'm not even the prime audience for this, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Not this good or bad, it's just what I'm drawn toward towards. Yeah. So thank you for sticking out with us. Now next week we're gonna be doing um, so if you want to join us for that, <laughs> you want to this house. <laughs> no, next week we'll be doing the Jamie Lee Curtis vehicle virus. Uh, I don't know what to say about that, but that's from 1999. There's no Tom Atkins, but there is Donald no. Sutherland and a, uh, uh, lesser Baldwin. Yeah. It's not Alec. Yeah, so, so we've, we've come full circle. Like it, it we will have be our, our one year uh, together on the show. Yes, exactly. That's why we're doing this. The big yep. anniversary. It will be one year that we have been doing this. That's yeah. pretty cool. Um, and I guess it started off as a joke where like if, um, you know, when we <laughs> when we first began, I, br- I had brought up virus and you were like that. That will break our friendship. I will leave the show. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, so, oh, and I forgot to say that that will be, in fact, our farewell episode. Uh, yeah, that's well. that will be our final episode. <laughs> that will be the one that breaks me. <laughs> that will be the one that sends Mark off the deep end. Right. I just pull off my uh, Jamie the Curse wig and leave. Uh, so that's coming up next. If you ever want to reach out to us, uh, I am ever lurking on Instagram at Midnight Mass Creature Cast. And Rob. Oh yes, and. Uh... You can hit us up through email at mmccpod at gmail.com. Um, you know, send send your recommendations, uh, what you think of the show, or even just leave a review like on Apple or something if you want to. A nice review. Yeah, not a good review. Like if you like the show, um, even if it's even if you didn't like the show, let me say, uh, just be civil about it. And, you yeah. know, if you hate us, email us first <laughs> so we can work it out. We'll we'll send you cookies. Something. Yes. Cookies. Most definitely. Yes. Um, So as always, whether you're a longtime listener or this is your first go around and you survived, we thank you for joining us because the more the scarier. That's right. And until we see. Yeah. Let me start over with that. Until we meet (laughs) again next time. We hope that you stay spooky. Well, that was awesome, Rob. Thank you. Yeah.